It is week 38 of the year 2022, and you're listening to me, Father Roderick, and this is The Break, your weekly break where I talk about everything that is even remotely interesting to me. And and you know what? That That's a lot. <laughs> so this show is about everything and nothing. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Before we start, I want to say hi and uh, bring a warm welcome to two, actually three new patrons, two new accounts. Uh, I want to welcome Phil and Patty Velasquez. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And Jill Watt. Um, thank you so much for joining my Patreon community. And if you are able to help me with my mission on social media and you would like to be part of that community that helps me with what I do, then take a look at uh, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Well, this past week, uh, lots and lots of people have been watching the funeral uh, service and 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 all the, the the days beforehand of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the, the entire world has been watching this, and there was a lot to see. Uh, that really surprised me. I thought it was just going to be the funeral, but instead, like every day, if you if you turned on the BBC, it was from morning till evening. Like every single channel, every program was focused on this uh, last goodbye to to Queen Elizabeth. And then the day of the funeral itself was was uh, also a full day uh, with a, a very impressive uh, ceremony or ceremonies, I should say, a, a beautiful church service um, with all the, uh, the the beautiful liturgy in the Anglican Church, uh, a lot of which, of course, is is from their the Roman Catholic roots, uh, the beautiful song, the songs, the music, um, the decor. It was very, very impressive. Um, compared to that, m- the monarchy in my own country is, is very simple almost, very modest. Like the next day, we had uh, the annual tour of the royal family, or at least the, the king and the queen and their daughter, who is now 18 years old, so she she gets to take part in uh, the um, in the ceremonies, um, because every year uh, the king um, has a speech in which he presents the plans of the government for the next year, and so th- there is this also this traditional tour with the 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 horse and chariot or how do you call that, um, and. It's it, we we haven't had that for two years now, because of COVID. So everybody was looking forward to it, but then it came the day after everything we saw on television in in England, and and I was like, okay, that kind of looks very simple. <laughs> Maybe we should up our game a little bit. Maybe we should hire Disney to give us some cues as to uh, how to how to spice things up a little bit. But uh, oh well, that's just. Part of all these different traditions, um, I, I guess, in many countries are are would be happy if they would have a, a monarchy to 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 have ceremonies like that. And well, maybe that's why so many people were watching this because it's a it's it's a once in a lifetime uh, event. I mean, I've never seen something like this before. And 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 with the previous, uh, like before Elizabeth, um, th- there was almost no television. <laughs> Because she's she's so old now, so it, this is this was in many ways, uh, at least for many of my friends, uh, the first time in their life that they that they witnessed something um, as big as this, and I, I just can't imagine what a nightmare this must have been to organize with all these people from all over the world, um, statesmen and and politicians and royalty coming to London for this one day, and then having to. Make sure everybody is safe. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, it was it was very impressive. Um, then in other news, this this uh, week we saw um, something that makes everything that we do here on this planet kind of like very tiny and insignificant. And it's when we gaze to the sky, to the to the to the stars. Um, of course, our James Webb telescope is taking lots and lots of pictures. And, and that makes you all of a sudden realize that 
no matter how much we we love our pomp and circumstance and 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 we have all these 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 rituals and and this this culture but it's just on this tiny little speck of dust lost in this gigantic incomprehensibly big universe um, and so James Webb telescope took a, took some photos of Neptune and they were amazing have you seen those you see the rings of Neptune they're ice rings normally you can barely see them and I don't think the Hubble telescope was ever able to take a good picture of uh, of that planet but the James Webb telescope is using infrared so that all of a sudden makes it much more visible and so you saw the you see these rings you see also surface details on Neptune itself you see a lot of the moons that are circling um, the planet of Neptune. I thought it was an amazing photo. And because it's done in infrared, um, they did the same with Jupiter. It almost looks like uh, uh, like unreal. It's it's so incredibly beautiful. Um, I, I can't wait. And, and then, of course, Neptune is super close by <laughs> compared to the, what, what the James Webb telescope is actually going to explore, like looking farther than we've ever been able to to watch. Um, these are amazing times. And uh, for someone who's been a fan of, of space exploration all my life, as a child, I was, I, I was so captivated by the space shuttle and stories of, of, of astronauts. And, and I had, um, I remember I had a small, like, record, like an old-fashioned record, and a record player, of course. Um, and it, it wasn't, uh, it came from America. And it was a... Um, like a short audio documentary about the first moon landing. And it started with Kennedy with his famous speech, like, we will go to the moon and do the other things. And and then you would have you would hear the countdown and like the one small step speech. And uh, it, it, it had music, it had sound effects. And I would play that over and over again. The entire, it was like a small record. So you had the big ones and you would play those at I think 33 tours or like rotations. And then you had smaller ones, and you had to play them at 45, like 45 tours. I have, I have no idea how to how to even describe that <laughs> in the digital age. But anyway, so it was only a few minutes long, but I played that over and over again. Like that that part of the speech about the uh about the the the, the intention of the United States to go to the moon. I, I knew that by heart. I could, like, I could recite it uh, uh, by heart. That's how often I listened to that. I, I was just fascinated. And to, to know that we're going to go back to the moon, right? The Artemis project, like the rocket, they're, they're, we're getting closer to the final launch. They've had a lot of setbacks. And maybe thankfully, because this, of course, is all a test phase to make sure that everything is safe and works well for once once we put people in those rockets. Um, but we're, we're getting closer to the moment that once again we'll be on the moon. And this time it will be with like high-definition cameras and so much more technology than was available in 1968. So I think uh, it will be a totally different experience. Maybe more akin to what, what's happening right now on Mars where for the first time ever... In the history of mankind, we are able to listen to sounds on the planet of Mars. We can hear the wind. There's not much to, to hear. But it was just so cool to finally hear what Mars sounds like. And apparently, they've been able now to record sounds of meteors crashing into the surface of Mars. That's, that's insane. So, <clears throat> of course, uh, the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. So... There will be no sound, at least not coming from the surface of the moon. But I'm sure that that just having good cameras there that will make a, a such a huge difference. Um, I can't wait. These are such exciting times. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. So this week, of course, was the week of Star Wars Andor, a new television series um, that premiered just the other day on Wednesday. Three episodes in total. 
Um, I didn't go to the to the the premiere event in in I think it was in Harlem, was it? In the north of the country, it was a bit too far away, and I'm still um, having some some health issues. I'm I'm very tired usually during the <clears throat> the data, so I didn't I didn't think it was wise to go there. But I watched the three episodes here at home, and it was so cool. I loved it. Um, and this is the most cinematic series that they've done so far. Um, and of course, it's it's not a movie, but it gets very close, and so that that was really gratifying to see how far Star Wars has come in the Disney Plus era. And if they continue on this level, I think Star Wars is going to uh, to be even more epic than it already is. Uh, just the, the, the writing, this is Star Wars for adults. It's the first series that is maybe deliberately not geared towards children. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I don't mind Star Wars also being for, for kids and being very family-friendly. But the the galaxy itself, the the kind of the creative universe that George Lucas gave us is so rich that why, why don't you just add uh, stories for different age groups? They do that with children. You have like Star Wars shows, like Star Wars droids, and it's really geared towards like five and six-year-olds. And then you've got something like Rebels is more geared towards teenagers. Uh, Clone Wars, maybe also younger audience. And then you've got The Mandalorian. And, and I mean, you, yes, you can watch that with, with your children, but it's definitely for a more an older public. And Andor, I think, is really for an adult public uh, or audience. And I, I think it, it it's it's a dimension that Star Wars missed. And uh, the movie Rogue One, of which this is a prequel, kind of did that for the first time and, and was a huge success. Um, and I'm very glad that they continue uh, in the same vein with the same kind of storytelling. Um, and, and hopefully this will be a staple from now on. Hopefully they will continue to do also series like this. Uh, I don't want them to stop the animated series, and that's all fine, but um, a lot of the... Children who watched Star Wars when they were young are now my age, or well, usually a bit younger. But still, they 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 are uh, they've grown with the franchise, so it makes sense for the storytelling telling to also grow with us instead of just staying with the target audience. In a way, Harry Potter did the same thing. The, the kids started reading those books when they were very young, and so the first books are very much geared towards towards primary schoolers, and then over time. As the characters grew up, the books also started to become more dark, more complex, um, and, and, and much more interesting. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that Star Wars is taking that direction. And then, of course, I watched the fourth uh, uh, episode of The Rings of Power. Continues to amaze me, that show. It's so beautiful. Um, very, very fleshed out world. Um, yeah, this fourth episode was... Maybe less action-packed. It was uh, there was more exposition. They're they're kind of putting stuff into place. Not every episode can have like this very very strong storyline. Sometimes you just need to kind of give us a bit of a rest. People were complaining about that. Like it's a boring episode, but it's like every story. It's got moments of of action and where lots of things are moving the plot forward, and then you will have these more meandering phases. A, a book that is just action scene ac after action scene. Uh, maybe a page-turner, but it, it also kind of stays a bit superficial. And, and this fourth episode, I think, did a great job um, kind of fleshing out the the world of the second era that they um, that the, the stories take place in. And oh, that show just looks so beautiful. Um, the acting is really good. Uh, the thing I love the most and that I actually enjoy the most during the week, is the music. Um, the, 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 the soundtrack is, uh, is available on, um, um, on Apple Music, on, on uh, Spotify, and also on, um, uh, what is it, Amazon Music. Um, and I think Amazon <clears throat> Music, I don't have a subscription to that, but they have like exclusive tracks. So they, they have all the music. Um, but I also, I, th I think that they're also adding tracks to the Spotify playlist because that one gets longer and longer. Um, and it's just music that is so good. I can listen to that all day long. Um, and, and then I feel like I'm part of Middle Earth. I, I just love that show. 
<laughs> Catholics rock! It is time for a quick visit to the Peculiar Bunch, and this is the place where you can ask anything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to ask, answer a question that, w- that was asked by Carlos Brefe. Brefe. How do you pronounce your name? <laughs> Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. I suddenly realized that I've never pr- pronounced that last name. Uh, Carlos, <laughs> you know who you are. And Carlos uh, posts something on Discord um, about the Seventh Congress of Leaders of the World and Traditional Religions that took place in Kazakhstan last week. Um, and he posted a link to an article on the Vatican News website, which is vaticannews.va. And he wanted to know, it was like, I'm hearing so many conflicting reports. Is this like an effort to bring all the Abrahamic religions together into one vision? Or what is this about? Well, Pope Francis took took part in this. So Pope Francis traveled to Kazakhstan, where there is a tiny minority of Catholics. Um, But he went there anyway, kind of. Uh, I think underscores uh, his uh, his will to not just be there for the important people, <laughs> but also go to the kind of the outskirts of of the the Catholic world and meet with people that are trying to live out their faith in um, in in very different cultures from let's say the Western culture. And then in Kazakhstan was also this uh, in the, in the capital city was also this this congress of uh, of of world leaders and and uh, leaders of traditional religions now um, the Vatican has always participated in these in these meetings sometimes the Vatican will organize meetings will call everyone to come to Rome or to Assisi um, and 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 that's not just this Pope um, Pope Saint Pope John Paul II also um initiate i think he, he initiated this this interreligious <clears throat> um congress in 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 assisi and it was not just for christians it was open to any religion um and and at the time that was considered to be very controversial because all of a sudden catholics that were used to seeing the pope like always a bit like a bit higher than everyone else. Like he's the church leader. He's he's the successor of Saint Peter. Um, all of a sudden, Pope John Paul II was sitting at the same level among so many other religious leaders, and so there were Catholics that were very concerned about syncretism. Uh, so basically, that that would send the message that all religions are the same. It doesn't matter. You know, just just depends on in which country you're 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 born and in which tradition you're raised. But ultimately, doesn't really matter if you're a Buddhist or a well, Buddhism is not really a religion. But let's say if you're you you are um, uh, not just a Protestant or a Catholic or an Orthodox Christian, <clears throat> but if you are uh, I don't know like a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, that is a thing, <laughs> or or a Catholic. Well, of course that that. That matters. Uh, of course, every religion ha- has the feeling that they they uh, are the representatives of, of the truth. And to in, in a certain way, from a theological point of view, I would say that is true. Although the fullness of the truth, as, and I'm saying this as a Catholic theologian, <laughs> is is in the it can only be found in the Catholic Church. But it doesn't mean that the other religions are devoid of truth. Of course, all this is in, in various degrees. There are certain cults, and they will define themselves as relig- uh, religious organizations that are almost entirely opposite to everything that Christians stand for. An example would be Scientology. Scientology always tries, wherever they are, to get the classification of being a religious organization, so they get tax exemption. Um, and in, um, as far as I know, in Scientology, 
there's a lot of money always involved in what they do. It's all very expensive. You have to pay to to advance in that religion. religion. Um, but a lot of the values of Scientology and the way they run their communities, the way they treat people, and we know this from witnesses that have lived that life, a lot of what that church professes and, and the way they treat people is, is contrary to what I believe is what God wants. The same is true for certain sectarian movements like the Jehovah Witnesses. Um, uh, there, there are um, reports from people that have tried to get away from, from that movement and, and the consequences were horrible. Um, and we, so we learned a lot about kind of what was going on on the inside. So th- it really makes a difference. What is, what is the value system of a religion and how does, that, what, how does that impact the way in which people treat each other? So saying all religions are the same, it's all the same, um, I think is, is, is mistaken. But you can't say that there is a genuine quest for the truth and a, a quest to find God in all these religions. Um, and so that is why the Catholic Church always looks at other religions as uh, showing us fragments of the truth, and, and, and again, in, in various degrees. Uh, but the way that we find God is by seeking together and by talking to each other and exchanging and, and reasoning and answering each other's questions and clarifying what you believe and, and being able to explain that. That is why uh, in, in, in my shows, in my podcasts, I, I, I often take time to try to explain certain Catholic issues or rituals or, uh, or, or beliefs, not because I want to convert you, but because I think it is important to know why Catholics believe what they what they believe and why they act the way they act. Because that's all coming from a system of values. And, and so, um, but in the same way, as a Catholic and as a priest, I also have to be open to, to other religions and, and ask them questions and seek clarification. And that's hard. I've, I've got a, one of our listeners is uh, from the Mormon church and he wrote me a long letter because I, um, and I can't really remember exactly when that when that was, but I made some disparaging remarks uh, about uh, the Mormon, the history of the Mormon Church, um, and I realized through his feedback that actually I didn't know that much. And what what I knew, I kind of glanced from a few YouTube videos, which of course is not always the most reliable source of information. So he he kind of wrote me to to tell me like don't judge us too quickly and <laughs> don't don't just look at um the superficial stuff that you find online um it's i th- and and i think that that was a that was very good feedback very important because i wouldn't want someone else who's not catholic to kind of look at my religion in, in that same way just like i watched three videos about catholicism and so i think it's rubbish <laughs> I think it's nonsense. Which videos did you watch? Well, there was this this one video, and it showed me that it was all complete nonsense. Then, of course, I would say, well, well, three YouTube videos—that's not much. <laughs> so, so it's all, and and of course, this is this is a lot to ask for because there's so many religions. Um, and even though I I've been studying philosophy and theology, philosophy and theology and theology for ten years in total. I still only scratch the surface. So how much can you know? Um, I do believe that studying theology has given me some tools to kind of weigh uh, what I what I see in other faiths. Um, but that doesn't dispense me from from listening and from exploring um, because it's by listening to one another and by ex- examining each other's religions that we that we find wisdom that we also maybe discover fragments or facets of the truth that we had forgotten about ourselves uh, one of one of the i think um of the fruits of the of the um, 
ecumenical dialogue. So that's the dialogue between Christians, Catholics and Protestants, and Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox Christians, is how much this dialogue has started to influence these different traditions. I just recently heard someone who is from a Protestant background said, you know what, in our Protestant church, we're starting to use candles. In my youth, that was unthinkable, but now we also light candles. And we're starting to use pictures. And 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 our, it, it used to be very abstract because we, we are so afraid that we would go against God's will by, by, by you know, making religious illustrations. Um, but we're starting to see the benefit of that. Our religious vestments are now much more like we use the liturgical colors that the Catholic Church is also using. So in the same way, Catholics are, are learning from Protestants, like how important it is to always go back to, the, to Scripture, how Scripture should be a central source of inspiration, in, not just in our church services, but in our personal lives as well. Um, uh, from the Orthodox Church, we learn about the beauty, about the value of, of liturgy, not just as a performance, as something that is always something you do on an intellectual level. It's not just about words. Orthodox liturgy is also about atmosphere, about the, all the senses. It's about harmony, about music, about all these icons, about repetition. There's so much repetition in the Orthodox liturgy. And whereas in, in the Catholic tradition, we've kind of stripped it all down to, like, say, the core, because sometimes it gets a bit too much. Um, but there, there is, I think, something to be said for that liturgy where you just step into a, something that is just ongoing. It's, it's not just going from A to B. It's more like being in the water, being submerged in the liturgy, something that that surrounds you. I, I sound like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so there's a lot to be learned from one another. And then, of course, there are certain things, certain values that a lot of, the majority of religions have in common. And that is what this Congress of, of, uh, of tr religious leaders was about. Like, can we talk about the things that we all feel are part of God's plan, no matter how you define God? And so they, they made a statement at the end uh, calling for an end to war and, and, and dialogue and all the, those things that are so fundamental to people that are trying to seek what's good uh, that you can, you can really uh, come together around those values. And then religions can become a transformative force in society. And then... Um, there was, there was also, in part of this declaration, and maybe that's where the confusion came from, is that, that, that it stated um, in this final document or whatever it was, that, um, that no religion should impose itself on other religions as being better, being superior. And of course, um, I think what it means is that most religions are stepping away from that uh, approach where where sometimes, you know, it just the most powerful people in the world determined what the religion was going to be in the parts of the world that were under their power. And of course, Christianity is full of examples of that. Uh, the, the Christian church as it is today would have never been this big had it not been for all those conquests and 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 uh, all those countries that were conquered and and and, and um, subjugated to the power i mean uh going back to the funeral of elizabeth the second of course there were also a lot of historical uh overviews of what happened during during her long reign and then you see that even in recent english history there, a lot happened that you can't really be proud of. There's a lot of, I mean, uh, when I was in Ireland, you hear about the stories of what, what the English did to the Irish and, and 
how they try to impose that, like like take over their churches, and and then a lot of Catholics, of course, became even more uh, attached to their tradition. Um, and and I think that that is a tendency that will probably always be with us as long as as long as we live. You see that also on a political level, where you know look at what Putin is doing right now in Ukraine, where he's, he's trying to not just grab land and resources, but he's also trying to impose his, what he conceives as to be the Russian culture on, on an independent country. And, and so this imperialism is throughout history always a threat to the freedom that I think is, should be inherent to, to, to religious life. You can never force someone to believe. God would 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 object to that. Jesus leaves people free to follow him or not. He invites them. He explains faith, but he never forces someone to to follow him. If he would, then he wouldn't be worth following, I think, because ultimately Faith is is about a relationship with God and a relationship. Look at the relationships in your own life. Are only worthwhile if they are lived out in freedom. What good is a forced marriage? You know, love can only thrive in freedom. And, and the same is true about religion. And we have to trust that if there is one God, and I believe there is, that God is ultimately the one who guides our hearts and who steers us towards his truth. And so maybe we should just be patient and continue to talk with one another and exchange and, and seek for that common truth. And maybe sometimes also adjust our own conceptions and our own priorities and our own values because we learn from one another and we discover more about ourselves and about the God who is trying to reach us. So this whole meeting was not about syncretism, about saying that all religions are are equal or are the same. Maybe equal in, in the sense that you should have equal respect for every religion. Again, freedom. Um, but it's, it's all about dialogue. It's all about exchange and trying to find common values. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I did a bit more reading this past week. I, um, I, I finished the first book. I started reading this uh, more than a year ago because many of you actually recommended it to me. It's a series written by Martha Wells. And it's called, the series is called The Murder Bot Diaries. I had no idea what that, what that was about. Um, and I read the first book in the series, All Systems Read. And it is about this robot um, who has some organic components, but most of it is mechanical. And he, is, he can be hired by people uh, to protect them on a mission or something like that. Uh, but you, 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 the story is told from the perspective, from the inner voice of that robot. It's a very advanced type of robot. It's very funny. It's it's uh it's a really good story. It's not the, the books are not very long, but it's very entertaining. Um and it's sci-fi. Um it doesn't go too deep, but it's 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 still, you know, makes you think and and it's a good story. Uh it was a nice reveal at the end, like a nice twist in the story. I like that. And and of course now I want to continue that that series because it's hey, it's about robots, it's science fiction. I love it. And then I went back to a series that, uh, that I never really completely read, but it's written by a contemporary author of, and a good friend of Tolkien, which is, of course, is C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And um, I got introduced to The Chronicles of Narnia through the movie, to be honest. I never read it in, in high school. Uh, I did read a lot of, of Tolkien. I never really bothered for, about Nar to read Narnia, mostly because I thought it was really for, for children, which it is. These are children's stories. And so um, 
I saw the first movie and I was like, hey, this is interesting. I need to read the books. And then uh, I was reading uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And and actually the book was more childish than the movie. And it felt, I don't know, I just, it was so different from what I expected. I thought it was going to be Tolkien. Like the same type of writing style. After all, these guys knew each other so well. And they also talked about the books that they wrote. And, and yes, Tolkien started to write The Hobbit for his children. But then, you know, The Lord of the Rings is not The Hobbit. <laughs> and so I, I kind of expected the, the books to be much more profound and, and more richer than, than the movie that I, that I saw. And it was the opposite. I actually thought the movie was better than the book. Oh, never tell tell C.S. Lewis that I said that. Um, I never watched the second movie. The what was it, Prince Caspian? I know, I know it came out. I never watched it. Um, I don't know why. I have it on Blu-ray. Never bought, never watched it. Um, and I read one book, and it was a weird book. Um, so, in addition to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I did read, um, there was this other book. And it was, it was, maybe it was the magician's nephew, but I'm not certain. It was a long time ago, like many years ago. And it was much shorter. I like that it was clearly very biblical in inspiration and, and like one big metaphor, I would say, of the creation story. Maybe it was the magician's nephew. But it felt like so disjointed from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So I just couldn't latch on and... I gave up on the series. But um, since I'm like still trying to uh, keep up with my reading list, I was like, well, why don't I just read everything in sequence? And I'm not going to read, or I didn't want to read everything in the chronology of the publication date. Instead, I read it in the chronology of the world of Narnia. So it starts with creation, which is the magician's nephew. Then you go to the line of witch in the wardrobe, which is, of course, story of Jesus in a certain way, Aslan, and then I started reading The Horse and His Boy. And I got the same feeling again. It's like, that's a weird story. I mean, sure, eh, it's okay. But what am I reading? Why? What's the point of this story? I still don't know. <laughs> I'm almost, almost done with The Horse and His Boy. And it's, yeah, it's an okay story. But it's very different from the previous two ones because I don't really see the theological like deeper meaning of the story it's just about you know these two kids and then talking horses and then forced marriages that that some people are trying to get away from and one king who tries to conquer narnia and it doesn't really go anywhere and it's like it is apparently is concurrent with the events in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So it takes place during the reign of the of the Pavenses, or what's the name again of the children? Anyway, they're they're kings and queens. While the horse and the his boy story takes place, but but it's only just a very superficial connection to that, and it just felt like a silly story. Um, yeah, not my favorite so far, but hey, I'm already halfway, so I, I'm, I'm going to <laughs> read Prince Caspian as well. And then I'm going to watch that movie, of course, um, and then I'll just finish the whole thing. So I'll get back to you once I've finished the whole thing. The, 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 the advantage is it's a pretty easy read because it's children's stories. So it's, a, it's not a quick read, but it is an easy read. So it's, it's kind of relaxing. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I finally get to read The Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, please, don't hate me for it. I'm just slow. Um, let's dive into the kitchen and let's talk about food and health. I've been uh, experimenting with <clears throat> Indian curries. Now, <laughs> I deliberately say experimenting because I have no experience with this. I feel like I'm starting from scratch. I've learned to cook a certain type of dish. I like um, Italian cuisine. I'm starting to really get uh, to know a couple of, of, of recipes and I know to execute them well. I do think I'm, I'm getting better at Korean cooking, Chinese, Japanese stuff. I'm, like, I'm very comfortable there. But with Indian cuisine, 
that's so new to me. Uh, the reason that I wanted to explore it is I have fond memories of the time that I was not in India, because I've never been there, but in England, in I think it was in the in the middle of England, and I don't remember, it's a long time ago. And 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 there Indian there is like Indian fast food. And of course it's it's like a westernized version but it's something that i was not familiar with at all like we would go and get chinese takeaway and most people there in the uk would just go and get indian takeaway so we tried that out and i thought it was amazing i, I it was so good and we had all these curries and that rice and then every and it a lot of it was very spicy which i like didn't expect but it was it was very flavorful. It it what I loved most was just how how much the the especially the herbs were so different from what I was used to, and it was just and it was all so good. I was like, man, I I just want to go on vacation just for this. <laughs> if I would live here, I would go and get Indian takeaway every single night. It's just so good, and then I kind of forgot about it. And, uh, and, but then recently, I was looking into ways to, uh, as you know, the, the, the gas, the price of gas and electricity is, is very, very high right now. Uh, the government has thankfully decided to, uh, to cap the prices, but it's still, <clears throat> I don't know, 10 times more expensive than last year. And I have to pay my own, my own electricity and gas bill. So I'm trying to kind of postpone the moment that I turn on the, the heating. And so it gets a little bit chilly here in the house, um, which has an added benefit, by the way, that I do sleep very well because my my bedroom is, is cold and I have these like Ikea blankets and it's so warm and cozy. The, you wake up in the morning and you, you feel your nose is cold then the rest of your bed is so nice and warm and I want to stay in bed all day long. All day long. I love it. So I've started to read in bed. <laughs> like I go to bed much earlier than I used to and instead of watching TV, which I have to go to the living room for that and the living room is my biggest room of the house and it gets pretty chilly right now. So I could sit there in a blanket but it's still, you know, it's not, it's not very comfortable. But I, instead, I just go to bed and I read just like I used to do when I was still in school. I love it. <laughs> and so, um, but I read in an article that if you want to feel warmer during the day, make sure that you eat spicy. I'm like, really? Seriously? That can't be true. But it turns out that is actually proven to be the case because those hot spices um they they create they make your body cr uh produce is it called capsicum or something like that like a little bit of something in your blood that opens your veins and kind of like makes you feel warmer um i probably should have researched this before i start talking about this but anyway so the the gist of the article was if you want to be a bit warmer this winter make sure that you up the spiciness of your food and so i'm thinking indian cuisine that is spicy i know that because i studied in rome and our college where i stayed was run by indian nuns and so when they would cook for us of course they would tone it down but sometimes they would make this, these hyper-spicy dishes. And I was like, how can you eat that? And, and, and then they would tell me, well, it's just a matter of, of habit. You just, we grew up with this as children. We would always eat this. Um, and apparently it's very healthy. So I, I decided, well, you know what? I, I take up the challenge. I want to learn how to cook curries. I want to try to to start learning or try out some of these recipes and so this evening i made my first curry it was terrible <laughs> it was so bad oh my goodness so i bought this this curry paste um 
I, wa- I didn't want to go as far as, as mixing my own herbs because that's apparently the thing you have to do. I was like, no, nah, I don't have time for that. I don't have energy for that. But you have these, this concentrated curry paste. And I, I got three. I found a place where they sold them. Um, uh, they were pretty affordable compared to if I go to my local supermarket and I buy that stuff, it's super expensive. And you get these tiny jars. Now I've got much bigger jars and it's the same price as the small ones. Um and it's like one is, it's all like masala, and I don't know the names of all that. But one is like mild, the other one is kind of, kind of spicy, and the third one has like three red peppers on as a as a symbol, and like likes very spicy. So I'm like, okay, let's go for the extra spicy, right? Let's see how far that gets me. And I take like two teaspoons, I put it in a pan. You had to kind of roast that a little bit for a couple of minutes. Then you put in. So I put in tomato, uh, like diced tomatoes. Um, I had some some ground beef that I put in. I think you could put in anything. It's probably better with chicken, but I didn't want to go vegetarian. Uh, so I, I put in some ground beef that I had in the fridge. Um, I cut up some carrots. And I, I had, I had um, a bag of green beans. I was like, so I cooked the green beans first, and then I added them to the mix. I added coconut milk. Um, some salt and pepper, and um, and some um, uh, what is it? Stock, like stock, not powder, but these you these little cubes of stock. You normally would uh, dissolve that in water because it it it. I, when I tasted it, it wasn't very salty. So, okay, need to add a little bit more flavor to that. And then I I uh, used cumin seeds which i i now have a grinder like a, one of those like um uh it's it's a a stone what is it, stone container and then you've got this stone mort mortar is that what it's called so you kind of crush the seeds and i added that to the mix that made a huge difference and to add the cumin that that really gave it a more exotic flavor but then the carrots too too much like the carrots weren't really cooked that well oh and then i added um i i did have some leftover brown rice which i used as a base and then i had what they call in the supermarket like uh cauliflower rice which is of course a misnomer because it's just cauliflower but it is like um how would you say that ground they grind it and so it it turns into these tiny bits of cauliflower so okay that that that's healthy i'll just add that to the mix and then cook it a little bit the result was you're eating something and you know like i eat this and it is healthy and this tastes healthy but i don't like it at all and it tastes nothing nothing like what i remembered from that time that i was in the uk this is this was a total failure and it was basically because i i just winged it i didn't follow a recipe i was just like okay i'll just use that paste i don't know how much to put in i'll just put in some coconut milk because apparently that's that's an ingredient and and then well magically that's going to turn into something delicious it was really awful and the problem is i didn't even finish the thing so now tomorrow i'll probably have to eat the same it's disgusting the thing was the kick was so i added just two teaspoons of that paste and so i was eating it then the first impression is like eh, eh. <laughs> that's really bad father roderick like <laughs> don't ever serve this to guests but then I was halfway through my plate and I'm starting to sweat. And it's like, man, this is... And it, it's all... The, like the spice kicked in so much later. The spiciness, I should say. And so towards the end, when I had finished my plate, I was like, wow, I really feel super warm right now. <laughs> so that did work. I felt like very, very hot. Um so I'm definitely not used to the spiciness. And I'm surprised that just two tiny teaspoons were that spicy because it was I mixed in so much other stuff. Whew. I've got a long way to go. So for those of you that are in Discord, we have a kitchen segment uh, section there. If you have any experience in making something, a curry or Indian food that, that does taste good, 
I'd love to have your recipes because <laughs> leave it to me to turn it into a big cooking fiasco. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. The iPhone 14 Pro. It is on the horizon. It is so close by and yet just out of reach. So I did some research and it turns out that the um, iPhone Pro Max and also the iPhone Pro, the regular iPhone Pro, um, are on sale, but only in the 128 gigabyte, is it gigabyte version? So like the, the, the standard version. That one you can order now. But I know because I'm going to use this as a camera to film lots of 4K footage, that I definitely need to have more storage space. So I was eyeing the 256 gigabyte version. And if you type that in, and you, if you want to order that on the Apple website, it says um, that it will be available in the last days of October and probably around the beginning of November. So, man, that is still a long time to wait for that. So I guess it's be just because this is a rollout of, uh, of a worldwide global pro product in, in many different markets. And so it makes sense that they, they made a, a huge stack of the kind of the standard phones and then the, the more, uh, the ones that are, uh, you know, have, have different specifications. It takes a, a longer. They have, don't have that same... Um, that same stock. So, yeah, I'll have to wait a little bit. I did get some advice from you, uh, from some of you who wrote, well, you could also maybe just go with the th iPhone 13 Pro. It's a bit cheaper. Um, but actually, I, um, I watched a, a number of reviews now and some demos, but the, the new cameras on the 14 Pro really make a difference. Um, and it's, it's notable. You, you can tell, especially the, like the wide-angle lens, which is something that as a vlogger I will probably use a lot. Um, that one is so much better than the one that, that was part of the, what is it, iPhone 11 uh, until 13. So they never changed that wide-angle lens. They now changed it, and it's a much better one. The only lens that has not been improved, I think, is the telelens. But they did improve the, the, the standard lens, which is now... Um, has a bigger sensor and um, and they improved also the selfie uh, camera which for someone who also is going to use this phone for a lot of um, social media stuff like TikTok and, and, and YouTube shorts um, of course that camera is very important um, and, and then other people said well why do you want to go with an iPhone there are cheaper phones that have also good quality lenses and yes that is true Samsung also has tremendous uh, quality um, when it comes to lenses um, there are even cheaper brands like uh, Xiaomi like the Chinese brand they sell phones for a fraction of the price of an iPhone and they sometimes even have the same lenses the same the same sensors and everything the, the downside of all that, and that, that, is, that is actually the reason that I have an Asus phone, a Zen phone, because I was just looking at the specs. I was like, wow, that is amazing. Uh, the, the main camera of the Asus is actually similar, comparable to the one that Apple has only now implemented in their new phone. So at the time, it was pretty re revolutionary in a phone. But then I totally forgot that it's not just about the hardware. It's all about the software. What do you do with that data that you get from those lenses? And how well is that integrated in the, in the entire system so you can use it not just with the stock software but also with other applications? And that is where my Zen phone failed me tremendously because the, the, it's got two lenses. It's got a big wide-angle lens, which is kind of old-fashioned now. It's, it's, it doesn't really work in low light. Um, and it has a very good main lens, but the problem is the software, it only works well 
if you use the stock camera application of the Zenfone, which is now three years old. So it's, it's, it's pretty outdated. Um, as soon as you try to film, for instance, with TikTok, or you try to stream, none of the wide-angle camera is not available. And it uses the image coming from the sensor, from the main sensor, but it skips all the software processing that the Asus normally does. And so you get that ugly, overblown, very harsh image. And it, it, it's terrible. The other day I was trying to stream on TikTok. And I, I film my TikTok videos with this phone, but I just use the built-in software and I use an editing program to, to make the final product. But then I use the same phone, same camera for live streaming, and I couldn't believe how awful it looked. My webcam on my MacBook looks better than, than this fancy lens. And so that taught me that in, in, with Apple, you don't just buy the hardware. The price that you pay is also for the incredible um, coherence of everything and the integration with the software. Apple writes its... its um, because Apple kind of controls the hardware, their integration of hardware and software is much better than even Samsung can do. And that also means, so it first of all means that other programs can also use the same lens system, which, you know, since, again, I, I use this for a lot of social platforms, I, I need the, the all the cameras to be available in high quality in TikTok and in, in Instagram and YouTube. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, and I, I had a number two and I totally forgot what that, what, what was my second point? <laughs> oh, and then whenever something is wrong because it affects millions and millions and millions of iPhone users, it gets fixed. Whereas with the Asus and all these other phones, Samsung after two years, you can forget about customer support because Samsung has already gone through like six new iterations of their phone. And so they don't care about their old phones anymore. And these smaller brands like Xiaomi is just as is and they never update the software, maybe some minor tweaks. But Apple, uh, on the contrary, keeps improving their software, keeps uh, adapting it. And just the other day, there was this news report which kind of hmm, made me feel good that I didn't buy the iPhone yet because there appeared to be a huge problem with uh, the Pro models where if you wanted to use that to film something in TikTok, for instance, the lens, the main lens, would just start vibrating. And it was so loud that it was actually making this ticking noise and people were afraid that it would destroy their hardware, which in certain cases, actually, it did. It, it, they had to bring their phones back to the store and get another one. Now, this is, of course, a major hardware-software problem for Apple. And I'm sure that they must have felt really frustrated that the, this didn't uh, uh, rear its ugly head in the testing process. But then again, that's maybe also because Apple keeps everything under wraps until the very last moment. So they don't really have a very large uh, test base. Um, so this was only discovered after it launched publicly. But they fixed it. it well, they are going to fix it next week. So in a few days' time, they will fix this problem. They have to. Otherwise, they're not going to sell one single phone anymore. And, and that's the other big advantage of going with, a, with an established brand like Apple. Is that because it's, it's the numbers. The number of people that use this. And, and so whenever there is a problem, Apple is going to fix it. Or at least do whatever they can to fix it. Uh, and that's not certain with other brands. So that all that kind of makes me still decide to, to, to go with the iPhone 14 Pro. It's just going to take a little bit longer than I hoped. It's time to wrap things up with the inspirational thought of the, of the week. It's usually something I come across on Instagram and then I jot it down and think, yeah, I might just share this with the, the people that listen to my show. So here's the this week's thought. I don't know where it comes from. I think I saw it on Instagram. 
Life as a funny way of giving grateful people even more things to be grateful for. That's why maybe keeping a, uh, a what is it, a, a journal, and at the end of the day you write some, down some stuff that you're grateful for, can actually improve your life. It, it may make you more sensitive to what makes you happy. The good things in life. We're bombarded with all that bad news and criticism and you tend to forget that there is so much more positive in your life than you give it credit for and becoming aware of that and being grateful and expressing that maybe even in a prayer it it will make your life full of stuff to be grateful for thanks for listening talk to you next week <laughs>